Today's sermon is entitled Ghosting. Ghosting. Oh, you know about ghosting. But what does that have to do with the loss of influence? Hmm, this is going to be interesting. Today's sermon is about ghosting. And we'll be in Luke 24, various scriptures in Luke 24, so be prepared to follow along. This morning I want to share with you about this concept of ghosting. I had a couple of sermon titles, uh, Holy Ghosting, uh, <laughs> Christian Ghosting, um, Ghosting Real or Fantasy. But here's what I want to, there, there are two aspects to this sermon I want to relay to you, and I hope you can follow along. Listen to this. Listen, you are a Christian ghost when you live without influence or impact in the world. Okay? Still addressing our series for the year of action. And action points toward having impact or influence upon what you are acting upon or the area you are acting in. If you are not making influence or if you are not making impact in the world, you can technically be considered a ghost. People know you're there, but you can't change or impact anything. A ghost can be in the room, but because a ghost doesn't have a body or limbs, it's it's just a spirit, it can't change or influence or impact anything in the room. It can be present, but it can't do anything. A ghost always needs more than just itself. So when you're in a room somewhere and you aren't making change, if you aren't influencing others or impacting others, you're just in the room as a Christian ghost. And unlike the Holy Spirit, your wind doesn't even blow to leave a visual effect of your presence. There isn't even an after effect of your presence when you move. People more so sense you. They feel you, but they don't see your impact or effect. It's hard for others to determine if you're real or a ghost. Stay with me. Christian ghosting is largely due to spiritual apathy. Christian ghosting largely happens where there is spiritual apathy somewhere in the equation. When you are apathetic about your walk with God, when you're lazy and lethargic about your destiny and your call, you become apathetic and you morph into a ghost. Impact and influence are only achieved when you are a person in action. Somebody say action. And actions can't be performed by ghosts alone. Oh, I'm building something here, little Ben. We have already taught on the incarnation. Remember the sermon, the incarnation? I said, God, give me a body. God, give me a body. You need a body to do something. Ghosts are often considered to be in limbo, right? Ghosts are often considered to be between two destinations. 
meaning nothing is really happening. There is no final decision on my life. And when you're a ghost in limbo, when you're a person who can't see yourself on the right or on the left or fully in or fully out, you're halfway in the middle. In fact, you're lukewarm, as God says in Revelation 3.17. He says, I'd rather you be hot or cold. He says, when you're lukewarm, you make me want to throw up or spit you out of my mouth. When you're in the middle and can't make a decision, God says you're like a ghost. You have no influence because you cannot make a decision. Man, I wish this was global. There's a popular term used in today's culture, and it is called ghosting. Somebody say ghosting. And ghosting means you once engaged with someone, but then left them without any explanation or communication. You basically once knew the person, but all of a sudden you treat them like they don't exist. Christians practice ghosting all the time. By that I mean Christians have been engaging people. Christians have been engaging God. Christians have been engaging the church. And then something happens to them. And you just become MIA. In other words, you ghost us. People all the time, Christians often have a setback, a heartache, a serious dilemma. And when they were okay, then they engaged God. But now that something has happened, they ghosted him. You just ghosted the body of Christ because you didn't get what you wanted. You ghosted your calling. You, you've ghosted your passion. You've ghosted your life. You have decided to stay in limbo, to be depressed at home, to not greet people and engage your family and loved ones and the girlfriends you used to hang out with. You no longer want to go. You got an excuse for everything. And now you move around silently like a ghost. Not wanting to be seen in between dimensions, unsettled with life, no final destination, meaning your spirit has ghosted your own body. You have allowed the circumstances of life to make you reclusive. To actually decide that your body doesn't, isn't needed. That your body doesn't need to be washed. That your body doesn't need to be fed. Oh, get your heart broke, honey. Don't, don't think I'm saying nothing twisted. Let me talk to these people over here. Let me tell you something. You get your heart broke. You won't eat. You barely go to, I got to go to the bathroom, but I don't feel like it. You don't clean up. You don't comb your hair. You have decided that the only important thing in your life is how you feel. And you let your body go. Well, I'm trying to say that people of emotions and feeling and over only a spiritual perspective have no influence because you cannot have influence without an operative body. Am I making sense? So ideally you have disappeared and have begun to live off the benefits of your residuals of your initial Christian investment. In other words, you started out excited in the Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, I'm saved. Hallelujah, Lord. Just saved me. God is good. Every time you see somebody, how you doing? Praise the Lord. Highly flavored and blessed. Highly flavored. Highly flavored. Favored. He says, but you were excited in the Lord. But then you began to doubt. 
You lost the job. You got divorced. You didn't get the promotion. And now you're living off your beginning momentum. Mm. God, where are the ghosts? First, let's talk about what is a ghost. Let me do a little work here. A ghost is a nebulous image. A ghost is a disembodied soul. Are you getting what I'm saying? A ghost has been disembodied. It is a disembodied person. A faint trace. Ah, God, of the original person. What I'm saying is a ghost is a faint trace of who you used to be. Ah, God. A ghost is this nebulous, disembodied soul. And by nebulous, I mean uh, something that is nebulous means it is that of like a cloud. It is undefined. It is unclear, vague, insignificant, indistinct. Am I talking to anybody online this morning? Y'all need to retweet this message, share this message, pop a friend, stick them with a pen, tell them you need to hear the message on ghosting. Have you ever felt like a cloud? Have you ever felt like people can just walk right through you? Oh man, you are so undefined. Nobody can take you seriously. You cannot be clear about anything. What do you want to do in life? Who do you want to be in life? I don't know. You're a ghost. You're insignificant. And you've lost your distinction. And so a ghost is a person's spirit without a body. And the point is, the spirit needs a body in order to have action. And you need action in order to influence and impact others. But the truth is, spirits ghost bodies all the time. Uh Uh-oh, this is the truth. You've heard people say, I had an out-of-body experience. Oh, you've heard that, haven't you? Even in Corinthians, Paul said he had a vision and he said whether I was in the body or out of the body, he couldn't tell. Oh, what happens when we sleep? We dream these dreams and we have these visions and we can't tell if they are real or not. They seem so real. Have you ever thought of anyone living life Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday and they cannot determine the difference between reality and fantasy? But spirits leave bodies due to death. I've been by the bedside of people who have transitioned right when the cardiac goes flat. I have been there when the spirit has left. Spirits ghost bodies. A spirit will ghost a body when there is lack of cooperation. When there is no agreement or a spirit must leave a place or a body because it's seasonal. Meaning, I am only here for a time. I came to help for this situation. Now I must move on to something else. A spirit will ghost a body where there is disobedience. When you don't cooperate, when you don't obey God, when you don't do what God has asked you, the Holy Ghost will ghost you. He said, you ain't listening to me anyway. A a spirit will ghost a body where there is sickness. When people are sick to the point where they don't feel they have hope anymore, the spirit, ah, decides it's over. 
a person of old age who has lost the gleam in their eye. I'm just trying to give you different scenarios of where the spirit leaves the body per se. I mean, the Holy Ghost never leaves you, but I'm not talking about the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about your spirit. I'm talking about your spirit deciding to say my body and my life doesn't matter. And some people at old age who have not felt like they have lived a satisfactory life decide they don't matter and they lose the gleam. Big mama, big papa come to the family reunion and all they do is sit in the chair and bow their head and drool out of the side of their mouth because they have lost their spirit's connection to their body. What do doctors say all the time? You're as young as you think you are. As long as you can find something to do, people live longer when they keep doing stuff, when they remain active. Oh my gosh, you're not getting this. The doctors will say, if you have an older person who is doing something, they last longer. That When they're doing something, that means their spirit is still engaged with their body. Another opportunity for the spirit to leave a body is when we cast them out. When we cast out demons, a demon must ghost a body. Hmm. That's just to name a few. So I don't want you to think, well, PC, you come up with this title about ghosting and ghosting. It ain't a real thing. Well, yes, it is. Even in scripture, as far back as the beginning of time, ghosting has been happening. Here are some examples. Let me show you some examples of ghosting that's been happening. Ghosting in scripture started way back in Isaiah 14, verses 14 through 16, where Lucifer ghosted God and fell from heaven. Lucifer decided, I'm the man. Lucifer said, I'm going to be in charge. I no longer want to be with you. I'm ghosting you. He goes from heaven to earth. He gets kicked out of the domain and he loses his influence. God, you're not missing. You're getting this. Listen, Genesis 3, Adam and Eve ghosted God and tried to hide in the garden by covering themselves with leaves. And God had to come through the garden and say, Adam, where are you? In other words, they ghosted God. And then in 1 Samuel 4, God ghosted Israel many times. One example was 1 Samuel 4, where for they had uh, fought the Philistines. And because Eli's sons were sinful, uh, the, the, the woman had the baby and named him Ichabod. And Ichabod means the glory has left us, meaning God. God's presence has ghosted us, meaning y'all about to lose to the Philistines. And then Matthew 27, 46, Jesus was ghosted by the father. <laughs> Jesus on the cross said, Eli, Eli, uh, he said, why hast thou forsaken me? Even Jesus said the father ghosted him because the father could not look upon the son when the son was hosting the sin of all mankind. And then in Matthew 24 or 26, Peter ghosted Jesus by denying he even knew Jesus three times when they asked him, do you know Jesus? They, I don't know. He started cussing. He ghosted Jesus. Ghosting happens. And then in Luke 24, we're going to see how Jesus ghosted his disciples after the resurrection. When he got up from the grave, the disciples didn't, they didn't know where he went. Jesus ghosted the disciples, which is where we will spend much of our time in the text today. But lastly, I want to tell you this, that mankind was ghosted by God for our sin. God left us. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit, God said, 
I'm out. And so Jesus had to come to reunite us by God that Jesus became, watch this now, Jesus became both the body and the spirit spirit that we needed to re-engage in life. We were so lost and destined for death. The father said, I'm mad at you. And so Jesus now bears names as the advocate or the propitiation, the one who placates the wrath of God. In other words, he makes it possible for to calm the father down and to re-engage our relationship because God had ghosted us. And so now the spirit that we live off of can no longer be ours because ours is tainted by sin. And so that's why Jesus had to send the Holy Spirit (laughs) to make up the difference for the sin in our lives so that now we can live again in that has influence and make impact in the world because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? So while ghosting is clearly recognizable in scripture, I want to focus on what I call holy ghosting. Somebody say holy ghosting. What is holy ghosting? Holy ghosting then is clearly recognizable in scripture and this is what I have called holy ghosting and by that I mean there is a purpose God has to the ghosting in our lives oh man (laughs) that the Holy Ghost understands the realm of both body and spirit (laughs) and that there are times where God allows for ghosting situations But the ghosting that God allows for is always to lead us to a reuniting of spirit and body. See, when we ghost ourselves, when we do the ghosting, we are doing the ghosting to get away from something permanent. But when the Holy Ghost happens, he allows these periods of these nebulous moments, these uh, indescript uh, times in our lives where we're ghosts among living beings and people can't uh, decipher whether we're real or whether we're fantasy. God will allow that because he knows his Holy Ghost is going to do what is necessary to get you back to where you need to be. And if there's ever a ghosting, whenever it's holy ghosting, God's goal is to always reunite spirit to body so there can be action on earth. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that God oftentimes allows you to be nebulous and undiscerned, that people will walk over you, people will overlook you, you will not get the promotion, you will not get the boo, you will not get the job, God has allowed you to be ghosted, but when he adds holy to the ghosting, God says, I let that happen so you could come back to your body. In other words, I let things get bad enough for you to understand who I am. Because as long as you think you can live life on your own without the assistance of the Holy Ghost, you will be a ghost all over town on your own, lost with no hope of return. Somebody will thank God for the Holy Ghost from keeping you from ghosting yourself down the wrong alley. And there are some tunnels, there are some caves, there are some bowls that are deep enough that you cannot return from. And the only way you're going to get back is if God brings you up. Joy and I happened to do some ATVing last week, and there was this big bowl in the middle of the sand 
Neptunes. And they said, make sure you don't go into the bowl. Because you go into the bowl, it's going to be real hard to get out. So we stayed away from the bowl. But I couldn't help but make a similarity to those spiritual moments in our lives where God tells us don't go into the bowl. But we end up in the bowl some kind of way. And point of the bowl is, once the ATV goes down into the bowl, there is no room enough to get momentum to drive back out of the bowl. In other words, you're stuck. But uh, one of the instructors told me the way to get out of a bow is to start small loops. In other words, ride around at the bottom until you get momentum enough to rise up to the top. And he said, when you get enough momentum and you get closer to the top, he said, turn your wheel and just shoot on out. The Holy Ghost will come and start small circles in your life. Some of y'all want instant deliverance from a hole that you dug that's way too deep. It's gonna, it took you a while to get there. It's gonna take you a while to get out. Am I preaching to anybody? The Holy Ghost will come and slowly swirl you up until you get new momentum. And all he's trying to do is put you back in the main fray where everybody is so you can be recognized. So Holy Ghosting is about God who always wants to make us visible and relatable to others again. Are you tracking what I'm saying? I'm trying to preach somebody out of a depression. I'm trying to preach somebody out of a lie you told yourself that you don't need to get up this morning. That you don't need to put on clothes and go outside. I'm preaching to somebody and I'm telling you the Lord says otherwise. Clearly God has created body and spirit and that is largely how he gets his will done on earth when the two work together. So he gave, listen, oh, this is an aside, listen to me, whenever you get too emotional and you can't do nothing, I'm telling you, you are out of the will of God. Even God told Joshua, he told the people of Israel when Moses died, he said, you got 30 days to mourn because God understood you can't be crying longer than 30 days. We got work to do. Come on, somebody. There are actions that need to be taken place. And he said, you cannot do the work if you crying all the time. Somebody said, grow up, baby. Clearly, God has put body and spirit together. And so he gave us the Holy Ghost to stop ghosting from happening. So the Holy Ghost exists to keep us from ghosting our own body. Oh man, the Holy Spirit lives in us in order to keep that union of body and spirit from breaking so we can do his will on earth. So when Tyrone breaks my heart, my heart, the Holy Ghost is in me and says, keep it together, Cherry. Keep it together, Lisa. Keep it together, Tia. And he says, you got to stay in the body. You can't ghost yourself. It's too important of a season. I feel God saying it's a season where you need to be present. You need to be active. You need to be able-bodied. I'm preparing for my shows to do shows. And I didn't realize how much I needed to be active and uh, exercise and fit to do a show. Because what you're going to do, you need your body to equate or be in agreement with your spirit. That's the problem. Some people want to do a whole lot of stuff, but they don't have the body to make it happen. Even Galatians 5 says this. Galatians 5 says that the spirit wars against the flesh and the flesh wars against the spirit to keep you from doing God's will. I'm telling you there's a battle every day between the Holy Spirit fighting your spirit and your body to keep you together to do what God has called you to do. So the enemy will do all in his power to keep Christians ghosting one another without ever practicing forgiveness and reconciliation. The lie from the devil is 
Cut them off. In the name of Jesus, cut them off. But you won't forgive them? No. In the name of Jesus, Jesus cuts off to reunite. Come on, somebody. God said, I gave you hardships to bring you to repentance. Repentance means turn around, fool, and get your life back on track. But we call it, oh, in the name, I, I got to do what God called me to do, God. And you ghost everybody. You leave a church. You leave well-meaning friends. You leave godly people who made a mistake and you think in some way you are better than them. You have deceived yourself and you are lost. You are a ghost in the room. So ghosting is really when you leave somebody hanging. Have you ever left somebody hanging? I'm preaching to somebody. You're saying, ouch, oops, stuck me in the toe. When you ghost someone, they aren't able to see you in the way they once knew you. And so basically you have become a ghost to them. Oh man, haven't somebody ever ghosted you and then you see them a year or two later? You don't know each other like you used to because they don't recognize. Never mind, which means you can have no impact on them unless you can convince them that you're not a ghost. And so many people who call themselves well-meaning, hyper, hyperbolic Christians who are super spiritual think that they're doing something when they actually aren't. They have no influence because people can't tell if it's real or not. I've even seen and heard people speak in tongues and people quote scripture and I can say to myself in my spirit, Spirit, I don't feel nothing from that. And I can't tell whether it's real or whether it's fantasy. But God says what we need to do. I'm coming down here, Terry. I'm coming down this road. What we need to do is learn how to convince people that we're not ghosts. Ah, come on. We've got to learn how to convince the world that that this group of people had breath for change the church on the corner online that this ain't no church for ghosts. (laughs) So let's look at what happens when people encounter you as a ghost. I want you to see what it looks like when people actually, I'm going to give you a sample. I'm going to give you an illustration of a person who encounters what they deem to believe might be a ghost. And then I want to show you little Ben what you can do to convince them that you are not a ghost. We're going to see a scripture today where a man is standing in front of two people and they don't even recognize him and they think he's a ghost, but he's a real person. And you're screaming at people saying, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm not a ghost, I'm not a ghost, I'm not a ghost. And they don't believe you. What can you do? To convince people you're not a ghost. And the reason they think you're a ghost is because you ghosted them. And now you want to just pop back on the scene and be like, hey, 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 who? I don't know. Who are you? You're a ghost to me. And too many of us Christians, we join the church and we leave our family and friends. And then we try to go back in the world. And just show up and be like, hey. And they're like, who are you? It takes work to convince them again that you're not just a ghost. I want to show you how to get your life back in both the spiritual and the real believable and actionable situations. Are you tracking with me? Let's look at some scripture. Luke 24 verses 13 through 26. I want to talk about these two disciples who were on the road to Emmaus and they encounter Jesus who appears to them as someone they didn't recognize, perhaps even a ghost. Even Mark, uh, Mark 16 and 12 said that he appeared in another form, that they saw him and he was in another form. Was Jesus in the form of a ghost? Are you in the form 
of a ghost. So look at 13. He says, and behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus. Two men, two disciples, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. The resurrection had just taken place. Jesus had just gotten up from the grave. And they were talking about it. And then 15 says, while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. Oh, wait a minute. And then 16 says, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. Oh, they didn't know him. And then 17 says, and he said to them, what are these words you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? Jesus says to them, what are you, what are you talking about? And they stood still looking sad. Ah, because they, Jesus had risen from the grave and they didn't know where he was. They had heard that he was going to be the Messiah, but now he's basically missing. And Jesus, who they're talking about, is right in front of them and they can't recognize him. So when you live on this earth in ghost form with no impact or influence, this is how people perceive you. People perceive you by you're right in front of them they don't recognize you because you have no impact. You have no influence on their life. And to the two that were walking, they were saying to one another, well, I guess he ain't coming. I guess the Messiah ain't coming. I mean, we saw him die, but now we don't know where he is. I guess he's not going to set up his throne. In other words, doubt began to feel in. And this world is filled with people who aren't sure about tomorrow and they don't need ghosts to walk with them. They need real people to be able to bring them up to speed with the answers that they need. In other words, they were looking for the Messiah and the Messiah was right there in front of them, but they didn't believe him because to them, he appeared as a ghost. Go back to the scripture and let's look at verse 18. 18 says, and one of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, he said, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? In other words, they were saying, don't, haven't you heard? You asking us what we're talking about. Haven't you heard what's, what's been going on? Haven't, don't you know what's happening? Are you the only one who don't know? And verse 19 says, and he said to them, what things? Jesus is playing them like a fiddle. He says, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word in the sight of God and all the people. And 20, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. Talking to the man right there. And 21 says, but we were hoping, here it is, listen to this, that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. We were hoping, indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things have happened. In other words, we haven't seen the results of what we were expecting in 22. But also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. But in reality, we don't see him. So 24, some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the woman also had said, but him they did not see. Do you keep seeing in scripture? They didn't see him. He was not there. We do not recognize him. They keep saying it over and over again and he's right in front of them. You're a ghost, but you have no impact. And 25 says, and he said to them, oh foolish men come on talk to him Jesus and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken he says was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory listen to what the text is saying Jesus was saying you're missing it because you're doubting you're 
unbelieving. I'm standing right in front of you and you can't see me. And when this is how people see you when you're a ghost to them. You're unrecognizable. That's what I want you to see. How can you be a Christian so religious yet unrecognizable. Here is Jesus, the word of God himself, and they didn't recognize him. And you think you so potent and bad that people gonna recognize you? You way down on the list. People know you're there. The two men knew he was there, but they don't know who you are. Am I preaching to anybody who lives their life in a way where people know you're there? But they don't respect you and they don't uh, uh, give you credibility because you don't even know what's happening around you. You don't you can't have impact where there is no recognition of relationship or authority. That's the problem with ghosting people. When you ghost people, you lose your relationship, you lose your authority and you lose your ability to speak into their life. So you want to be holy. You want to be spiritual. So you go cutting everybody off but every person you cut off you lose your level of influence you lose your power your sphere of influence influence in other words every time you cut somebody off you shrink your domain of authority oh i'm preaching (laughs) haven't you been listening they said haven't you been listening to the news or you just go to church all day (laughs) how about those spiritual people who don't know what's happening in the world I just read the Bible. You're unrecognizable. You're a ghost because you can't relate to what people are feeling. And that's what those two men were feeling like. This man was asking about the thing that everybody knows about, but you don't have a clue. It seemed that Jesus didn't have a clue. You're a ghost when you're around people in the world and you don't know the types of things that affect them and impact them. And you don't care how they feel and what they're going through. You appear as a ghost to them and if they couldn't recognize Jesus how much more you think they're not going to recognize you so here's what I'm trying to get you to see this is what you look like boo you living every day but you're around people but they don't recognize you and you don't even know the current events people don't respect you and that's why you can't do action there because no one will respect your action because you are just spirit to them you're in another form So how do we change this Christian ghosting stage I'm in? Jesus gives us an example of that as well. Let's take a look at the scripture further down. Let's go down to verse 36. The story gets more interesting. I encourage you to read Luke 24 on your own time. But skip down to 36. And he says, now watch this. This is the setting. We're talking about how do we change How do we convince people that we aren't ghosts? So this is after Jesus's resurrection. I've already said that. And the disciples don't know where Jesus is. Jesus has ghosted them. He got off the cross. He went into the tomb for three days. And when they came to the tomb, he was gone. Where is Jesus? They have been ghosted. So the disciples are sitting in a room doing nothing. And when you feel ghosted, you go to a room and you do nothing. You close the door, you turn off the lights, you sip on tea or liquor. (laughs) Or you smoke a joint or you get high because you don't know where your expectation is. God, listen to what I'm saying. You have lost the thing that you were counting on. The thing that you were banking on changing your life didn't come through. And you've been ghosted and you find yourself in a room alone and so they have already forgotten what jesus told them would happen they don't remember it they were literally doubting the resurrection now so anything from this point would seem unreal or a ghost like in their minds in other words they had already decided he was a ghost to them and so now the text begins at 36 with that context i just gave you verse 36 says while they were telling these things He himself stood in their midst and said to them, peace be to you. Well, who was telling them things? 
The disciples, the two men on the road to Emmaus had come back to the disciples and was telling them that they had seen this Jesus and then Jesus had left the tomb and, and all of this and, and everybody was in doubt and disarray. But the disciples are discussing the events of the day. They're all in the room. The text said while they were telling these things, while they were talking about it, they were discussing Jesus can't be found. We don't know where he is. We're in disarray. The two on the road to Emmaus just reported that Peter saw him and he's alive. But to the 11 in the room, we don't know where he is. Maybe you saw him, but we don't. Our hopes are still thrashed. And the text says, put the text backs up. He says, he himself stood in their midst and said to them, peace be to you. Jesus appeared and they thought he was a ghost. Much like in Matthew 24, when Jesus walked to them on the water, they thought he was a ghost. So look at 37. He says, but they were startled and frightened and thought they were seeing a what? A spirit. This can't be Jesus. We can't find him. He ghosted us. I'm talking about convincing people you're not a ghost. You're in front of people and they don't believe you. They don't believe you've changed. They don't believe, that's what I'm talking about, holy ghosting. That God took you away for a period. He changed your heart. He gave you a different form. But now that you've re-entered your friend zone or your people, your family, they don't believe you've changed. And to them, you're a ghost. You're not real. You're, you're trying to find yourself. You're going to church. You're just being spiritual. I want to talk to people right now. I want to talk about the chakra. I want to talk about the waving of the sage and and the, the 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 rocks and and the marbles and and the balls and and the bowls and woo and the zen and all it is and the meditation. I want to talk to all of y'all. I'm tell you something. Now. I'm tell you something. Now. If that help you, that fine. I ain't gonna get you into heaven. Now. But I'm gonna tell you something right here. Only God can change your heart. You can. Until you fall asleep, your heart has to be changed. The sin has to be placated. The power of God's divinity has to forgive your sin. And only God can do that. And so he ghosts you and he brings you back. And people don't believe you've changed. And you've got to convince them that you're not a ghost. I'm the real deal, baby. I'm the real deal, peppercorn. I want you to know that I'm here. But they were standing right there and they thought Jesus was a spirit and look at 38 it says and he said to them he said why are you troubled he says why do your doubts arise in your heart and I can imagine Jesus saying we've been through this bros I told you about this I talked to you about this I've already told you how we're going to do this thing but now that it's happened you don't believe it I remember when Joy and I first got married. It was a first, the first year was good. Well, I'm going to tell you I didn't believe it. I was waiting for something to break. I was just waiting for it to act up. I was waiting for it to go stupid. But it never did. Because when God does the holy ghosting, <laughs> he'll break you apart to bring you back together. Because he knows that when you holy ghost it, it's there to stay. And you've got to convince them. I had to convince Joy. I did. I had to convince Joy that I wasn't the same dude that I used to be. And I'm sure she had some hesitations, some reservations, as she should. I was a womanizer. I got around the boat. But I needed to convince her that's not who I am anymore. I've been ghosted. And God has changed me. He has wholly ghosted me. Come on, somebody. He's now brought my spirit back to my body. And now now I'm a better man because of the God I serve. So Jesus appeared to be a ghost to them. And Jesus, remember they, Jesus walked on the water in the storm. And first thing they said, behold, a ghost on the water. And here come Peter talking about, well, let me come to you, Jesus. 
says is me. And Jesus said, it is I. I am your Savior. I'm telling you, people need your help. And you're walking on the water, but you have no influence because they don't believe you're the real deal. And you've got to convince them that you are the hope. You are the message. You are the living epistle that they've been waiting on. You are the helping hand. You are the phone call. You are the encourager they were waiting on. You are the $50 they need to get some gas. You are the light and the help that they need to get through their marital troubles. You are the real deal. You've been ghosted, but now you've been holy ghosted so God can use you. So when people are in disbelief, then more than ever, they don't need a ghost. They need a real person who is filled with the spirit, not just spirit. So would you please stop being these spiritual folk who go around just quoting scriptures to people who are already doubting, already disbelieving. They don't need your spirituality. They need your reality. They need to know that you're human. They need to know that you're not a god. They need to know that you can feel the pain they're going through. The Bible said the disciples were afraid and supposed that they were looking at a ghost. There are people out there who are afraid and they think they're looking at ghosts. People come to church. There's people in churches right now and they're looking around the church at ghosts. It's a church full of ghosts. Because I'm going to tell you, you can go to church and a nan person in the church will help you. Those people will come right out of church, see you standing on the corner or walking home and won't offer you a ride. They will see you on the bus stop or see you trying to catch an Uber. You live a block away from them and they will offer you to ride with them every Sunday to church. I'm preaching to somebody. That's all right. You don't got to email me if you want to. I don't care. You got people in the church who are ghosts and they don't care about the bodily reality of life. All they care about is the super spiritual. Let's sing another song. You don't need to sing another song. You need to help that person change a tire. You need to help that person get home. You need to talk that marriage through the trouble they're going through. They were troubled, the Bible said. Look at the text. The text says in 37, he says they were startled. They were frightened. And the thought that they were seeing a spirit. And he says, why are you troubled? Why do the doubts rise in your heart? And Jesus was saying, the term for troubled means that they were restless. They were antsy. They were inward with commotion. They were restless. They were couldn't get it together. I'm telling you, there are people out there who are antsy. They've got inward conflicts. And they don't need a ghost. They're disturbed. They need reality. The, the Bible said, he says, why do you doubt? Why do doubts arise in your heart? In other words, the text there says they were confused meaning all kinds of thoughts reasonings and theories and hypotheses were rising in their heart God says you're the answer to people's questions you are the clarity to confusion but you cannot have influence if you appear to them as a ghost because a ghost in the room can't do nothing without a body a ghost in the room needs and we must convince people that we aren't ghosts and here's how you do it look at the text in 39 Jesus wrapped it up to them he said see my hands see my feet that it is I myself I'm not a ghost touch me feel me in other words don't read my scripture don't look at my spirit don't see my soul but touch my body I need you to see that I'm the real person he said touch me and see for what is it here it is right here for spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have oh here it is write these down we must convince people that we aren't ghosts first of all by showing up people who are disturbed and rattled within we've got to 
show up in the room. And the Bible says that Jesus appeared in front of them. And I know that's what messed them up because the Bible doesn't say he used the door. It seems to imply that Jesus just appeared in the room. We ought to show up in the room. But showing up is not enough, boo. I told you that people will sense you are there. They need more than that. And then when he got into the room, what did he say? Jesus was there and he said, Peace be unto you. So you change people's minds about being a ghost when number one, you show up and number two, you calm their fears. When you can say to people, peace be unto your life. See, ghosts scare you. Every time you watch a haunted movie, the ghost is there to scare you. Ghosts confuse people. And if you are in people's lives and you do more scaring them than giving them peace, then you are a ghost. But when your life exudes peace unto the people you're in front of, when people relax when you're around, when people feel comfortable when you're around. I remember a friend years ago, we were clubbing. Me and my partners and we went to Denny's after we went to the club. And this young lady, she's still a friend today. Her name was Madeline. I call her Mildred. Her name was Madeline. She said, said to me in Denny's. We were all there. She had a boyfriend. She wasn't my nothing. She was a friend. She came up to me and she said, you know what? I feel safe when I'm around you. And I said, oh, that ain't nothing but the Holy Ghost. I said, what do you mean by that? She said, because you go to church, you in a choir, you know, you, you, I just feel safe. If your life doesn't make people feel safe, you might be a ghost. If you scare people more than then you calm them down, then you might be a ghost. But that ain't enough. You can't just show up. You can't just say peace. But you got to show them your scars. Jesus says, see my hands? See my feet? In other words, look at where they stabbed me. He told Thomas, put your hand in my side. If you don't believe me, touch me. You got to let people touch you. Number one, show up. Number two, calm their fears. Number three, show them your scars. In other words, reveal your pain. Talk about something that they can relate to. Instead of just listening, tell them your story. Let them know you're a human too. Yep, I was divorced. Yep, I got foreclosed on. Yep, they fired me. Yep, I got sciaticus. Yep, I had cancer. Yep, I got mad. Yep, she put me out and threw my clothes on the street. Yep, you've got to tell people your real stories. You got to take people to your cross. Show them where you were hung. Show them what the job did to you. Show them how you died. Show them what the foreclosure did to your finances. Show them how the bankruptcy set you back. Because the world is full of people who are going through divorce and bankruptcy and foreclosures and loss of life and health and sickness and different situations. And you can't be this Holy Ghost Christian who cannot relate. Don't nobody want to hear from you. You can't relate. I just told you my life is in shambles and you want to quote me a scripture? Take that Bible and shove it up your butt. But I'm telling you what I need from you right now is not for you to be a Holy Ghost. I need for you to be a real being. Put your hand on my shoulder. Wipe my tears from my eyes. Get me some clothes. Take me to the room. Wash my face. Help me get the sleep out my eye. Help me clean up my pizza field, beer-driven room and clean up this house. Show me that you're real. And then number four, I can't just show up. I can't just calm fears. I can't just show you my scars. But the Bible says... He had to do human things as well. The text goes on to say that he ate. He said, do you have anything to eat? He said, I, I want to know, do you have anything? They said, we have fish. And so I didn't have that scripture. That's verse 40. But he said, we got some fish. And Jesus sat down and he ate with them. So the fourth thing you got to do is you got to do human things because what he was showing them 
was that a spirit doesn't get hungry, but a body does. In other words, show them that you're human. Show them you got to go to the bathroom too. Show them that you need to eat too. In other words, drudge up human things that identify you as human. You spiritual deep folk who fast all your life, I know you don't have influence with real people. You got influence on the church folk, but we ain't trying to save church folk. We trying to save the world. The world needs to see that you eat too. So go to lunch with the people. You hear me? Go go to the go out to the lunch. Show them you eat. Show them that you need a car. Show them that you got to, you need transportation. Show them that you got to exercise. Do the gym with them. Stop inviting people to church all the time. Invite them to the gym. It might help you out too. Listen, practical takeaways. Ghosts aren't recognizable. Souls are. Human beings are. Ghosts bring disarray. But real souls offer peace. Ghosts scare you. But souls reassure. Ghosts confuse you. But souls clarify. Ghosts can't be touched. But souls can. Ghosts have no physical markings. You can't, there's no markings on a ghost. But a soul does. You can see my scar. You can see my scar right here from when I was holding on to the back of a car on a skateboard, fell in the street. My arm got caught under my body right there on Sherborne Drive in Ladera Heights. You can see my marks. You can't see it on a ghost. Ghosts don't eat. Souls get hungry. I'm so glad when I go to preachers and preachers be like, when we going to eat? Is the conference over? Can we go to eat? Can we please? Can I know you're trying to save everybody in two hours, but can we go to lunch? Holy ghosts, holy ghosting raises your promise. When you ghost people, it diminishes hope. Holy Ghost seeks bodies to impart power to complete God's will. Ghosting separates you from bodies and isolates you into ghost. Holy Ghost encourages others to action. They add blessing to your life. But when you ghost, you strip life away. So here's my conclusion. Ghosting often happens when people are in transition. Jesus was in the middle of transition. He was in the middle of a transition from his time on earth and going back to heaven. From the resurrection, from the grave, to heaven people saw Jesus as a ghost. Because when you're in between two destinations, you appear as a ghost because nothing seems to be decided. Even when Mary saw Jesus at the tomb, he said, touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my father. I am still in transition. And people will often misread you when you're in the middle of transition. But that's what holy ghosting is. It takes you away for a moment. You may appear as a ghost for a while. But we don't know Jesus as a ghost today. We know him as the rose of Sharon, the bright and morning star, he who sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and me, King of kings and Lord of lords, we see him around the throne. But Jesus' message to his disciples was simply to believe what he had told them all along. 
And I'm saying to you, before you ghost the next person, before you walk away from the thing God called you to, try to believe again. Try to trust God, even though it appears that your Savior is lost and missing. Trust that he will show up in the room where you are confused in. And he will bring you peace. And he will let you touch his wounds. And he will eat again with you like he did as a human on earth. One of the greatest deterrents to ghosts is believing in what is true. The best way you deal with ghosts is to grab hold to truth. So when in transition, hold on to the truth because it is the truth of your life that makes you believable. If you live a life of a lie, you will live the life of a ghost because you're not believable. But when you live the life of truth, you will live a life of reality because you are believable. Jesus didn't need Christian ghosts and he don't need Christian ghosts today. Hiding behind religiosity and so-called selective holiness. I only come out on Tuesdays when it's not so sinful in the world. He needed real and believable men and women to do his work on earth. And I'm crying out to you, asking you to unghost yourself. Now more than ever, we need to be people of influence and impact. No more preaching only. Stop just going to church and telling people about God. We must engage. And when we feel like ghosting the world because it seems so bad, that's when we literally become more real to those around us. Do a self-ghost check. Disappear for a while and see if anyone notices you're gone. If no one reaches out or looks for you, you're a ghost. Because you had no impact on their lives. People won't always remember what you said to them. But they will remember what you did for them. And I'm praying that the church becomes more than just a pulpit. But that we become people in the world. Touch and feel and act upon people's lives. The only ghosting we should concern ourselves with is the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is never trying to leave you. Body and spirit is his thing. I am fully body and I'm fully spirit. Praise the Lord. I love your spirit, Joy, but I love your body too, girl. Mm. They go hand in hand. Don't come preaching to me talking about, oh, just trust the spirit. Marry anybody. If they save, they love the word. Mm -mm. Nope. She got to be cute. She got to be cute, cute. I want you to be cute. Are you cute? <laughs> That's how God gets things done on earth. Body and spirit. You need your body with your spirit. And you need your spirit with your body. The Holy Ghost is the power behind all of our physical actions. So give up ghosting today. And start Holy Ghosting with God. So we can tell the truth about Jesus to the world. I am PC. And I am not a ghost. (laughs) That's all I've got. God bless you.